Welcome to the AI Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Schaefer. Today on the podcast, we have the pleasure of being joined by Praneet from Google DeepMind, who's a senior research engineer, having previously worked on AI for industrial controls in its applied group. Praneet serves as part of the technical program committee for leading AI venues such as Neural Neur IPS, ICML, and ICLR. He's a member of the Confederation of Indian Industries Artificial Intelligence Task Force. Prior to DeepMind, he was a machine learning engineer at Google Cloud. Super excited to have you on the show. Welcome, Praneet. Hey, Jaden. Thanks for having me on here. It's a pleasure to be here. Like I mentioned, really excited, uh, excited to have you on. You know, I would love to kind of kick this off by asking you a little bit about um, your background and your journey. I'm wondering if you could tell everyone a little bit like what brought you to doing what you're doing today? Was this something you always knew you were kind of interested in machine learning and AI and all this kind of stuff? Or is this something you kind of discovered as you went along? Tell us a little bit about, give us a little bit of your background. Yeah, great question. Love to recollect the past. So I think for me, um, where the, the point at which I kind of figured out this is what I want to do was back in undergrad. And it's starting, well, this is, this is a while ago, I would say like eight, nine years ago at this point, towards the end of my undergrad. Back then, we didn't really have these large language models or you know, some of the crazy advances we're seeing today. Um, all I had was Andrew Ng's course from Stanford. And it, it, it seemed pretty interesting to me. We had some stuff on like autonomous vehicles, I think from um that was just starting to pick up at that point and i was like okay this is pretty cool this does sound interesting hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I was in a project in undergrad where I very partially contributed on building a student race car, and that's where I saw some of the stuff which, you know, I think CMU and Stanford were doing, and then I was like, oh, autonomous vehicles, there's this crazy thing called neural networks. Let's learn more about it and even machine learning. Um, that was interesting to me. I worked on a mini project with a few buddies. We published a very, very basic paper back then on optimizing uh, our car's engine performance using neural networks. And you know, we went to a conference internationally and there we met a lot of really great academics. And you know, I was like, oh, this is really, and this is really cool. I get to see people publish really amazing papers and doing some really cool research. And I had an intuition back then that you know some of the stuff we are seeing right now could be applied in so many different fields and it could pretty much you know um, change industries and that was kind of the seed the seed that fell in my head and you know so long story short i came to the united states for my masters um i did a cool internship at reinforcement learning joined google full-time after graduating and i've been in the alphabet family since super super cool amazing background it's, it's always interesting for me to hear you know like 
what what kind of got you started? What got you interested? Um, kicking this off, something that I hear a lot, and I'd love to get your take on. Um, I'm wondering if you can explain to the listener, you know, what's the basic difference between reinforcement learning and just traditional machine learning? Because this is kind of where you work, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. I think for things like this, I like to go into very simple explanations, not going too deep into maths. If you think of supervised learning as, you know, you're starting for a test, maybe like a maths test, it asks you a question, you give a response, you see the answers wrong, and then you kind of say, oh, this is where I went wrong, you go back, right? So you have the sort of like yeah. output, like a test answer, and then you go back and you solve it. Um, reinforcement learning is something like learning how to ride a bike and assuming you have no one to help you, right? So the first time, and I remember my first time because I fell a lot, um, you go on the bike, you might, you know, make it, a foot or so, you fall down, you're like, oh, maybe I should put more pressure on one side over the other to balance myself. Then you go slightly longer, maybe you make a mistake in turning, you fall again, but iteratively over time, over these experiments for like falling, getting up, realizing what's wrong, you then manage to do much better learning from these experiences all by yourself. And you might meet your end objective, maybe cycling from your home to your school or so forth. So I think like this is one fundamental, hopefully clear way of knowing the difference between the two. Now, if you were riding a bike and then you had your friend telling you at every step um, what is correct and what is incorrect, that can be considered one of the supervised learning paradigm over there. Okay. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Appreciate the explanation. So something I want to ask you about, because I know you've worked in this space specifically, and I, I think it's I find it kind of fascinating, but why do you, well, like what, what is the, what's the concept but, but um, with applying reinforcement learning to commercial cooling systems? This is something that you've, you've worked on, correct? Yeah, yeah, great question. So, you know, reinforcement learning is something that always fascinated me since I started learning about it. Um, we've seen it do really well in like simulated virtual environments, like um, in video mm -hmm. games, you've seen those nice uh, GIFs of, you know, uh, Atari, those Atari games like Pong and Breakout, it does really well. Um, the real world is a lot more complex, and I can speak about that for a while with all the challenges which we faced, but there's also a lot of potential for algorithms such as reinforcement learning to optimize things such as the cooling systems for data centers, amongst others, yeah. and make it perform okay. well. It, it's it's quite dynamic. Um, there's a lot of there's, there's a lot of knobs which we could tweak, which you know think of as a human operator is a lot to keep in mind. And this is a place where reinforcement learning can come in well. It fits in the paradigm of like acting sequentially different steps towards a given goal, and you know, mm -hmm. I, and that's why we decided to start working on the project. Okay, super super interesting. Um, I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about. Uh, you know, some of the core components of your simulation suite that you use. Yeah, yeah. So uh, taking a step back, so, you know, when we decided to work on reinforcement learning for real world systems, such as, you know, like massive, you know, industrial buildings, data centers, malls, um, working directly in the real world is hard, right? Imagine mm -hmm. like you apply reinforcement learning in a game and reinforcement learning is quite sample inefficient in the sense that it takes like hundreds of thousands of iterations in some examples to actually learn a reasonable policy. And mm -hmm. it, even before it learns the policy, it does things that can be considered quite wrong. So as an example, mm -hmm. if you play the game of Pong or Breakout, if you lose the game, it's fine. You just lost the game. You got a negative reward, right? In a real world mm -hmm. data center, if the reinforcement learning does something wrong, like it turns a water pump up real high or low, that can be catastrophic, 
right? Like it, it can lead to things, you know, such as shutting down data center. So um, right. uh, to kind of summarize that, like, you know, the real world is hard because you don't have the luxury of so many interactions with the real world environment to learn a reasonable reinforcement learning policy. So um, interactions are limited. So we use something called offline reinforcement learning to tackle that. Um, but there are other issues as well, such as, you know, like um, sensors, like as you can imagine, like in real world systems, you're quite dependent on sensors to give you an accurate reading of what's going on, how you're doing. So getting input data from those is um, quite time consuming as well. There's a latency aspect to it. But the sensors, they also, like all mechanical systems, they might start to drift, start telling you things which are wrong, and that adds mm -hmm. more complexity to something as sensitive as what we have as reinforcement learning here. So um, taking a step back, so given all these challenges, we decided to build this suite. We called it the mm -hmm. industrial task suite. And the basic idea of it was, could we quickly test out different hypotheses over here, um, such that we could say that if A is better than B, we don't care too much quantitatively how much difference is, but we can give an idea that if, you know, a variant of an RNA can take and perform something better than B in this environment, that should potentially translate over to the real world as well. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, so that's what our goal was with the suite. And as to, sorry, to finally answer your question, the core components which we had over here was similar to what we would see in the real world, with just swapping out a real data center with a simulated one. We built um, a simulation, like it's like a Microsoft flight simulator for industrial systems. Uh -huh. We used a software called Comsol of a large data center that simulated the fluid flow of water through pipes, you know, the pressure of pumps, the atmospheric conditions. Um, and we kept it quite parameterized so we could try out many different kind of interesting scenarios <laughs> of real cases. And then with this simulation, we swapped it out with, um, yeah, we then connected it to a reinforcement learning framework, ACME, and then we could allow an agent to play around with the simulated version uh, of data center rather than a real version of it. Super, super cool. Yeah, I, I love that. I think that's such a fascinating uh, idea and kind of creating this whole simulated environment. Something I'd love to ask you about is like, what were some of the most interesting or exciting or unexpected like takeaways while you were kind of playing with that or, or using that? Yeah, um, there were quite a lot of interesting and exciting takeaways. Um, I think for me, like fundamentally, I spent a lot of time like building up the actual simulation. So I was uh -huh. not an expert in fluid dynamics or these multi-physics okay. software. So it was um, um, it was quite an engineering effort and we had some really great folks, you know, helping us uh, build this out. So it's the team effort. Um, so we invested like a few quarters, kind of like setting up the base simulation. But the first time we could actually like have a simulation, then build a wrapper on top of it to like a certain conditions. So like, let's say a sunny day in the Bay Area with like this sort of data center, and then plug in a reinforcement learning for control. The first time we kind of saw that work out and then sort of training loop converge towards the policy. I think that was, I think by far the most exciting um, thing which I saw. Um, then we did a lot of other cool, interesting stuff. We applied, like, we had a really amazing intern work with us, and then we did something with hierarchical reinforcement learning, um, where we kind of, like, worked on longer sequence controls, uh, which was really great. But I think like, the foundational, like, the very first step when we got it to actually, uh, you know, like, say hello world in a sense, that uh -huh. was the most exciting for me. 
um we did have a lot of challenges you know these simulation suites are quite um, tricky like especially like the multi physics aspects of it um yeah. the reinforcement learning agent like in the real world you know it, it could potentially blow something up but even a simulation suite it does something crazy uh, the simulation would stop or you know things would get really really bad so there's a lot of mm-hmm. times where we have to manually intervene you know set this sort of this sort of debugging pipeline up and figure out what did the agent do go back and then try mm-hmm. to fix it and rinse and repeat so that part at times could get a bit you know engineering heavy and it's like oh i'm not trained to do this but i got to figure this stuff out as well <laughs> to solve a larger problem so yeah yeah that's so fascinating that's so cool um what I, what i'd love to ask you about is you know like how does the reinforcement learning control the rl control compare to traditional controls in energy savings yeah yeah um so based on my understanding the way traditional energy save these energy building management systems work is they have something called heuristic based controls which to make a gross oversimplification which might be incorrect is something as simple as many nested if else statements so if the outside temperature is above this limit and you know the inner you want you have like a lot of people in the building it's a warm day then you do a lot of cooling right but as i said like this is a large state and action space in the sense that you can control a lot of knobs such as the fluid flow the pressure um as well as you know there's something called a cooler which i consider the heart of the system so you can say how hard you wanted to run so i would say in the order of um, um the well it depends on data center data center it's it's definitely order of two or three digits uh, the state space um and the action space is also definitely more than two digits so to write you know like a heuristic based code to control as uh, complex as this um it's hard it's doable that's how uh-huh. modern buildings i assume run but it's not fully optimized to make things as efficient as possible just given how complex this task is right um the thing with reinforcement learning is while it's not explicitly controlled it can kind of learn the the way reinforcement looks reinforcement learning works as it learns from repeated interactions with the environment so it might look at the input sensor data and say oh okay you know it's a warm day so i'll just increase the cooling slightly more and then based on whatever reward we want to optimize for um it says that okay cool you did the right thing you increased it by the right amount so it will give you a high reward um versus maybe not doing anything getting a low reward so over multiple interactions in environment the reinforcement learning rather than like hard coding this learns the interactions between states actions and rewards and can then perform a task um potentially better as what we have seen in our case than a heuristic based control one key point i want to make over here is like the reward mm-hmm. engineering so in reinforcement okay. learning you know it's it could be considered um um potentially unstable at times so you have to really make sure you're optimizing for what you really want um and you know making sure that is represented correctly okay yeah now that makes a lot of sense and i think uh that's that is a great point um i'm wondering you know how does your system adapt to real world industrial changes cuz inevitably those happen right yeah yeah so i think um one thing which uh, which we have seen and like this is what we tried to simulate a lot um the end goal for us with the simulator was to have this sort of like sim to real component which unfortunately at least i was not able to do uh but in the real world what we see is that you know well i guess we don't we didn't see a large change in like the control input so you kind of control the same things but you have like different patterns 
So you have like weather patterns. Um, so you have mm-hmm. like daily patterns, like day and night cycles, but you have like even lower frequency patterns, like the seasonal patterns. And then, you know, like climate change over the years. So every year is maybe relatively warmer than the year before. So those kind of things, the outside temperature, humidity, all of these affect the amount of cooling you need in the building. And as a byproduct of that, how much cooling these chillers or your air conditioners need to produce, right? Um, you have other sort of patterns as well that also affect it. Um, you have like the building load. So for example, in commercial offices, you have more people in the building during the day and less at night and so, and the opposite for residential buildings. Well, I don't know how work from home changes that, but most people are in the house like toward the night and then, you know, they go to office. So that also affects the amount of load which the building actually draws, right? Um, mm-hmm. So with this, you, I mean, so all of, all of this is to say that you know, these can all be considered as like inputs to the system that affects the amount of cooling load. There's a term for that. Uh, I think in, it's in a unit called BTUs. Um, and based and the reinforcement learning or whatever control system you have has to basically change the control inputs or in the very oversimplified case is that um, if you have an air conditioner knob on how hard you want to tune it, you want to be tuning it proportionate to how much this load is changing. And mm. that gets pretty tricky. And to kind of complicate that, so I told you the base cases, we also have things like yeah. sense sensors that start failing. So, you know, it might be a hot day and then suddenly it's cold and you're like, really, is it cold? But it's actually a sensor that just stopped working, right? So you <laughs> oh, have, no. Yeah, so you, you kind of have like sensors that fail, sensors that drift. These are real world phenomenon. And, you know, these are also things that you need to take in, into account when, you know, a system like this. So, yeah, the the agent has to like kind of figure out, like also think, and plan for these more longer term uh, patterns yeah. as well. Yeah, that is that's so interesting. Yeah, some of those some of those challenges are uh, definitely, I'm sure, tricky to solve. You guys have been doing some incredible work over there. I'm wondering, you know, where do you see the future of reinforcement learning in um, energy optimization, like in going going forward? Yeah, so I definitely think there's like a lot of potential in the space. There are tons of you know organizations that are like tackling this. Um, I feel like, um, so and I feel like there are many other verticals as well, not just in data center cooling, right? I mean, there was a paper right. out by a group on like, I think, um, um, in uh, Tokamak control, uh, there's a paper by DeepMind, and then there are other people also using it in like other real world applications. There's a cool paper out of like drone control as well, um, that came out oh, in nature recently. Yeah, I think it was okay. like, yeah, the Paris University in Europe. So there's a lot of real world applications of reinforcement learning, you know, in like robotics, industrial systems, medicine as well. So I have to go all the way there. So I, I think that's great. Um, for our specific, you know, for the kind of stuff which, you know, I kind of uh, dealt with, I feel like there are a few challenges that are, you know, quite interesting that need to kind of be looked at slightly more deeply. And a lot of research groups are looking at it before this can be more um, widely adopted. Um, uh-huh. Number one, I, I'm not sure how many people will disagree with me on this, but we used a simulation-based approach and the sort of end goal was like, take something trained on the simulation, adapt it to real world. Um, the tricky bit with that is something called the sim to real gap. And that basically means that something in the simulation might not adapt as well to the real world. Um, and that, that kind of makes sense, right? Because the simulation, you know, like we try to keep it as high fidelity, matching the real world as possible, but even then it misses out so many of the elements of the real world, um, such that, you know, like you might need, even if you train something really well in the simulation, it might 
not generalize as well to a different facility. Um, okay. This is a common problem which I've seen in like the overall robotics and control space. You know, people have spoken about this quite a bit. Um, so I guess like this is something which more research needs to, you know, um, get into this before it can be more widely adopted. Um, okay. Yeah. Sorry, go on. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. That's yeah. super, super interesting. Um, I'm wondering, you know, so you've obviously been kind of working in these areas specifically, but are there other industrial sectors that you think are, you know, ready for some reinforcement learning innovation uh, to kind of come in and, and make some big impacts? Yeah, I, I think there are quite a few. Like, I mean, the way I think of it is like, think of tasks that are, you know, quite, you know, unoptimized, you know, as it like designed by heuristic policy, which is quite hard for humans to actually design. And when you have the sequential uh decision making kind of process that sometimes we can consider using something like um you know reinforcement learning based approaches right um as i mentioned this is like this really cool drone uh drone racing application where people are trying to see how fast you can race drones that's cool um there's a data center cooling uh process there's you know i think there's work in um yeah there's a lot of stuff in like robotic manipulation like in warehouses like having these I'm not sure if they use a purely RL-based policy or something more like a supervised behavioral cloning policy, which is slightly different. Mm -hmm. But you have the, like these robotic kind of um, um, bots that can help place. I'm not sure if Amazon, uh, I'm not sure if it's Amazon, but some company I know is doing something like that. Um, and in other industrial applications, well, it, it's, I mean, I can't recollect the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure if you have yeah. a sort of framework, you have like a baseline that is good, but maybe not as great. And then you uh -huh. can find a sort of like simulation proxy or a very efficient algorithm to learn fast in the real world. Um, it'll be pretty cool to try out like a deep RL based solution and, you know, kind of see how well it does. Yeah, so interesting. Yeah, of course, there's so many applications. It's hard to come up with all of them off the top of your head. Uh, yeah. But like, it's phenomenal what, uh, what this is going to be applied to. Um, I'm wondering, you know, as, as we kind of wrap up this interview, I'd love to ask you um, for people listening you know what resources would you recommend to people that are wanting to explore reinforcement learning in their industry okay so i think this is the best part right like there's like so much out there for the internet um like this i think the issue is more like like just taking to one plan and not like figuring out should i study from this or the other okay so i guess like we can tackle this part in layers um, before jumping to reinforcement learning, um, you're not going to be in for a fun time if you don't understand the basics. And by mm -hmm. the basics, I mean things like linear algebra, probability theory. I guess the basics of machine learning, like how optimization is an objective. Well, I guess that part's maybe not as necessary. But yeah, having a very solid footing in like basic probability theory and you know statistics, linear algebra, that is something I would recommend. For things like those, there are many courses in Coursera many books available there's, honestly the, the, there's a lot going on there um once you someone's mastered that i would then recommend reading some literature on this um one book i do recommend is sutton and barto um that is considered something you know, <laughs> i would consider part of my curriculum for reinforcement learning um yeah. i think i think DeepMind and google also um have a bunch of talks and other places as well have a bunch of really great talks on coursera and like on youtube as well and goes through different parts of reinforcement learning um 
one thing uh, I would say is like reinforcement learning was there before the deep learning kind of boom. So we had like DQN from Ultra Deep Mind, but before that we had like tabular Q learning um, that was okay. there, there for a while. So like most of these curriculum, I think might start off with the basics, which I which is what I recommend. So like the basic, you know, value and policy iteration based techniques. And then once you have a firm footing of how those work, then they talk about how neural networks can kind of approximate how these work at scale with large state spaces. And then from there, you can move on to like some really advanced um, policy optimization, optimization based techniques we use today. For example, like PPE was used for RLHF and, you know, like uh, large language models right now. So you can see how reinforcement learning is used in uh, vastly different fields as well. Okay, super, super cool. I really appreciate you uh, sharing all of those resources. There's so much out there. Prini, if people are interested in, um, you know, following along with some of the research you're doing or things that you're, you know, you're looking at, what's the best way for them to to follow you and, and find you and what you're kind of working on? Yeah, uh, good question. So I am reasonably active on LinkedIn. I try to post all of the stuff which I do. Um, okay. Well, yeah, yeah, I try to post it over there. Um, yeah, I would say LinkedIn is your best bet. I am also on Twitter. So um, I assume you like link all of this there, but I kind of like uh, also maybe put my thoughts on different papers or cool stuff happening uh, on, 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 on in this field. Um, fun side fact, if you like planes and, you know, I keep mentioning that example of drone racing, I am getting in the process of well, at least trying to get my pilot's license. So, um, so I do cool. have an Instagram page for that. If you, if you, and if your followers want to like look into Bay Area yeah. uh, flight views. So, yeah. Very cool. Well, I can leave links in the description and the show notes for people to find you everywhere. Um, I think I'm going to I'm gonna be following you on Instagram and following along on the plane <laughs> journey, of course, but also on the, the LinkedIn and the, the Twitter side to see some of the cool projects you're working on. Pranit, thank you so much for coming on the show today. You shared so many incredible insights. This has been a ton of fun, a great conversation. Um, to the listener, thank you so much for tuning in to the AI Chat Podcast. Make sure to rate us wherever you get your podcasts, and I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you, Jaden. Thank you, everyone.